As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, uh, which means I am... um, Hanging out, still waiting for some more owner news update, as you guys are as well. We did have some uh, off-the-field news today for the Commanders in something that will sound not great, but actually I think is a good thing regarding the sale of this team. Uh, We'll get to that in a moment. Today's guest, though, it's not often you get a Hall of Famer to join you, but we have one of those today today. in my colleague David Aldridge from The Athletic. DA, of course, and I uh, talked about the commanders, got DA's take on where he's at with uh, perhaps the end of the Snyder era. We also dipped into DA's NBA ties by asking what he thinks about Josh Harris. Uh, What does he know from Josh Harris? If he takes over, what could we expect uh, from a commander's, for, for the commander's? Again, this is an owner who was there for the process with the 76ers. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty bold move, however you think about it. So we discussed that. We also got into his view of the quarterback situation. So we talked a lot about the Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, and do we still buy into the idea that Ron Rivera is comfortable with that pairing, knowing uh, with the new owner coming in, his time could be up. But that's not all we did. Because DA is DA, and, and I had some thoughts as well, we got into a, a bunch of other topics. We talked about the overall local sports scene, how it's pretty dismal across the board, and how this is a chance with a new owner for the commanders to run away with the idea of who's the most popular team in this town. It already wasn't much of a debate, but with the Nats and the Caps in particular uh, down from where they were a few years ago, This is the commander's opportunity to really run away with that. But we talked about, we made some comparisons between the commanders and the Nats and the commanders and the Caps. And then, of course, had to talk about the Wizards and the NBA playoffs with DA. So a really well-rounded conversation, but a lot of commanders right at the top. In addition to that, once we get through with DA, and he and I went for about 50 minutes, I'm going to answer some of your mailbag questions. I have a brand new mailbag up on The Athletic today. 
uh, where I answered some of your questions. There will be a part two as well. But there were I had a lot of uh, fun questions that I wanted to get into. I will answer some of them here on the podcast. So a lot to get into. If you are not already a subscriber, let's rectify that right now. Go to iTunes or wherever you do your podcasting. Hit the subscribe button for standing room only. Uh, try to pump out two to three podcasts a week. A lot of draft coverage going forward here. Uh, as, as you might expect, you can check back episodes from last week uh, with regards to the draft, uh, where this team is. And of course, we talked at the end of last week uh, with uh, we, we talked a lot about the end of last week about Jeff Bezos and his role now uh, in the commander's ownership sale. So check all that out wherever you do your podcasting. And of course, go read my mailbag and everything else. I have up on the athletic. All right. So a couple quick notes before we get to my DA conversation news this morning out of the Washington DC attorney general's office. You may recall the DC attorney general's office uh, towards the end of 2022 had filed two lawsuits against the commanders. One of them was settled. And that announcement came today. The commanders, uh, we're paying, we'll pay six hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars to a combination of DC and former ticket holders who who made deposits, and the money. Some aspects of those deposits should have been returned to the cl- to the clients to the customers. They were not. Uh, Washington is now paying uh, six hundred twenty-five thousand. That's a combination of paying some of that money back as well as a fine from dc uh again it's another negative headline and for what it's worth the organization is refuting the claims that the dc ag made about uh about this and if you're saying well wait they're paying they're, ma- they're making a payment relatively speaking six hundred thousand dollars or so is not is a rounding error when you're discussing a $6 billion sale, right? If that's what it took for them to to move on from this, it was probably wise to, to do it. When we talk about Dan Snyder reportedly saying he wants indemnification for future um, potential lawsuits or costs or things like that, these are the types of things that, that, are, that, are, be, that are in the air. This is one thing now that's at least been checked off the list, and I'm not dismissing or I'm not saying that they did anything wrong. I'm just saying if the goal is to focus on the big sale, moving on from these lawsuits is a good deal. They've previously settled with Maryland for even a smaller amount than this was. Virginia still has uh, a a different lawsuit in the air over, uh, or not lawsuit, but like the bank fraud situation from the Eastern District of Virginia that ESPN reported about a couple weeks ago. There are still investigations in the air, including another one from D.C. that is still uh, out there as well. You can read more about all of this on The Athletic. We have a a news story up on uh, this with myself and, and ironically, David Aldridge uh, contributing on that. So the headline doesn't sound great, but in terms of the sale, checking this off is a good is good for for that purpose. So keep that in mind. Uh, speaking of the team, 
uh, these top 30 workouts uh, continue here. And and for those who don't know what that top 30 term means, it's not necessarily the top 30 players. It's just each team is allowed 30 individual visits with prospects at the team facility leading into the draft where they can hang out with them for the course of a day or whatever. Um, get a better feel for the person and the player. Washington has made has done a bunch of these already. Uh, this week, uh, cornerback Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State is one of the players coming in, I've been told. He is a uh, potential first-round pick. If you look at someone like Mel Kuyper, he he previously had Forbes to Washington with the 16th pick. I, I don't know that everybody views Forbes at, at, at such a level, but he is somebody that should likely go somewhere in the top, you know, 50 picks. So uh, a name to keep an eye on there. In my mailbag story that is up today, I broke down all the players that I am aware of, either by my own reporting or confirmation, that have come to the Commanders or are scheduled to come. And what you see with the list is, forget the individual players. Sometimes that matters. Sometimes it doesn't. Jahan Dotson didn't come in for a 30 visit last year. But from a position standpoint, of the 15 players I've been able to confirm, all but three are either offensive linemen or cornerbacks slash defensive backs, which is exactly the needs that Washington, their top needs, the the needs that we all view as their biggest uh, concerns, questions, et cetera. So you can go check out the names there. I, I will just mention uh, Brian Branch, safety from Alabama, who can also cover the slot. He was on the list. Uh, uh, a bunch of offensive linemen, some tackles, some guards, uh, including Steve Avila from TCU, who's probably a, a day two pick on the list as well. So check, you can go check that out to see uh, who, you're, who, who you might be interested in. Joey Porter Jr., Penn State cornerback, often viewed as the third corner in this draft, is among the players who's visited Washington as well. So uh, go check out the mailbag if you want to see the full list there um all right as i said i'll enter some more of your mailbag questions but i want to get to the da conversation a lot to get into here like i said a really well-rounded dc sports conversation a lot of commanders though weaved throughout the convert throughout the, the conversation we learn more about josh harris the potential new owner for the commanders and we talk some wizards some gnats and a bunch more so let's get to that right now my conversation with david aldridge uh, and then we'll get to your mailbag questions here on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right. Uh, don't really need much of an introduction here for our next guest, especially to uh, anybody who plays it. It is 2K or NBA 2K, right? It is That's 2K. Cool. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't want to get the branding wrong. Um, my colleague at The Athletic, uh, David Aldridge, is with me here. We have a lot to discuss. The NBA playoffs are about to start, which means, of course, that the Wizards season just ended. Uh <laughs> So we're going to talk about a little bit of that, of course, to, to use uh, David's insight into that. But we'll, we'll we'll start off with some of the commanders things, and then I guess the first and foremost, uh, David, how uh, how are you doing? It's uh, there's a lot going on here in DC. You got the commanders always commandering. Yeah, you got and you're busy with the NBA. You're you're keeping tabs on the Nats for us. How uh, how are things going in your world? It's it's busy, you know, jumping back and forth uh, as we take this today between Commanders news and Wizards news and 
long for and you know features i'm working on and stuff but that's that's the gig right so um but it's better to have a lot to do than not much to do so that's a good thing even even though the teams in dc are all kind of struggling right now their their, their struggles are still interesting enough to cover so um that part's been fun i mean this really is like there have obviously been some lean years for these teams but at least over the last 20 years since alex ovechkin yeah arrived more or less the capitals have always been at least a playoff team basically right let alone a contender and now they're out of the playoffs no wizards the nats look like they may have the worst record in the league which leaves the commanders uh at, you know at eight eight and one <laughs> plus all the snyder stuff as the best team right <laughs> what a weird what a weird dynamic it's been weird because you know you you're right. I mean, the Caps have always, are you know, really the last fifteen years. I mean, they had varying degrees of being a contender, but they always have been a contender, right? As long with Ovechkin and Backstrom, and you know, their John Carlson and their various other pieces, and adding Oshie, they've always kind of been in the mix somewhere. Like you could you could make a plausible argument that hey, if they get hot and they get good goaltending, like maybe they could make a little run here. Um, but yeah, I mean, them just kind of being out and and kind of facing this, this, they're in this weird position now where it's it's not really about contending for a cup. It's just about making sure Ovechkin breaks Gretzky's record. That's kind of yeah. like the operating principle of the organization right now. So, um, but then the Nats were good for 10 years, right? I mean, they, again, they had, they had years where they weren't, they weren't contending, but they were still good. I mean, they still were a pretty good team. And then they had years where they were you know, won divisions and had a chance and could have gotten to the series. And obviously they won one, the Caps won one, you know, the Mystics won one. It looked like it was title town here for a while. So, right. So um, that that's gone away. And it's now this kind of weird thing where we're not sure how long it's going to take the Nats to kind of get back and the commanders sort of look like they're going in the right direction, but you can't really tell. And it may not even matter if a new owner comes in and blows everybody out. Um, and then who God knows what the wizards are doing. You just, nobody knows. No sense. <laughs> I, have, I have no sense of what the, what the plan is, you know, like, get, right. um, so we're just in this weird, weird place. But even again, even the rebuilding is kind of interesting because you can, like if you don't know anything about hockey, you can count. So watching Ovechkin score goals has some meaning, right? And so that makes some sense. And then baseball, you know, it's always been about next year and the young prospects and the minors coming up and how good can they be? So at least the Nats have, they can make an argument that they pushed the reset button. They went all in, they traded everybody um, and they're doing what, we all think the wizard should do right. Would you just start over? And, um, but in the meantime, in the middle of that starting over, you, you, you had a hundred loss season last year. You're probably going to have another hundred loss season this year. And you don't even get the benefit anymore of, you know, a, a bad season leading to a sure top three pick. Cause they changed the rules in baseball for the draft. So, so the Nats don't even get that benefit this year. They'll get a high pick, but not as high as they would get normally. So, um, yeah, fascinating times here in DC. I mean, if you could, if, uh, if we could figure out a way like two years ago 
to 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 have like one of these like Freaky Friday deals yeah. where the where the Nats and the Wizards change their mindsets. The Nats do what the Wizards did for Beal, but do it for Soto or right. Trey Turner. And right. the Wizards do what the Nats do and to recognize that this isn't going anywhere and trade everybody for prospects to do effectively start over. Yeah. Then everybody would be happier, I think. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because people as baseball, you know, it's a long season, man. I mean, it is really hard um to kind of keep people's interest over 162 games unless you give them a reason. You know, like it, it's tough. I I you know when they traded Soto, I wrote this like. You know, to be a fan in baseball requires an amazing amount of commitment. Like you have to, and it doesn't even matter if you don't go to a single game in person, you have to watch a baseball game 162 times, you know, like, or or at least, you know, 110, 120 times a year. It takes a lot of time. And if you do go to games, a lot of money, you know? And so you got to really be in, to baseball to watch that to to sample that product so to me i think you're right and that's kind of what i didn't understand about the nats which was if you're if you you can make a you can make a rationale for not keeping any one of those guys that they've let go over the last few years for different reasons but you can't make a rationale for letting them all go. <laughs> that's right. that's my problem with the Nats. They let them all go, like build around somebody, you know, like pick one of them, pick Trey Turner, fine, pick Soto, fine, you know, pick Anthony Rendon, fine, but build around someone. And they chose to just let them all go or trick, get rid of them all. And I just think that's 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 a lot to ask of a fan base that's used to a team being really good and having a chance to win the whole thing. Right. And and of course, like to tie this back into the commanders, you know, we had the stretch you mentioned when all, all these different teams are winning titles and the Caps and the Nats have several year runs of being some level of contender while the commanders or whatever name they were called at the time, uh, you know, went in, you know, just continued to scuttle. There was always a, a Snyder tax, it felt like that, that kept the <laughs> right. ceiling down. And, and there was this talk of like, oh, can these other teams supplant the commanders as the best, the most popular team in town. That always seemed incredibly dubious to me. Yeah. And now that we're at this point, whereas we're talking on Monday afternoon, we're expecting a sale of this franchise at any minute. Who, or, you know, I, again, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we're all right. waiting for something. Right, right, right. That, that at the moment that that happens, the idea that any of these other teams, especially in their current condition, could be compete with the football team for popularity goes way way away because it's only going to be up from there i'm not saying they're going to win more but right. people would be more excited um so where are you at right now as as a man of the people where are you at right now as a guy who's who's covered this team you've lived here yeah that that we actually might be to this point where dan snyder is no longer this albatross uh for, for this franchise and frankly for the area i mean you know i mean it it seems you know, you don't want to be Charlie Brown with the football, right? Like you, this time it's going to happen, right? So um, <laughs> yeah. you kind of, I I want to believe it's going to happen, but until it's announced, I I, I'm, I just think billionaires operate on different, with different kind of values. And I don't, I just, they just do like they, they can do whatever they want and there's very little consequence to them doing whatever they want. And so, whereas a normal person gives you their word or, or makes it clear that they're 
thinking of, of doing something, you kind of want to hold them to their word. Well, you can't hold a billionaire to their word. <laughs> like it's, you have very little recourse. So you just have this, I, at least I'll speak for myself. I have this back of my head that Dan Snyder could just wake up tomorrow and go, you know what? I don't feel like selling the team now. I'm going to keep it. You know, <laughs> you could do that and there's nothing anybody could do about it. Right. So, I mean, I, you know, you keep hearing that the owners, the other owners are done and they're tired with it and they want to move on and all that. Um, I don't know. I still am not sure there's 24 votes to get rid of this guy. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I, I, I have that in the back of my head, but certainly it seems like I, you would think the league would kind of make sure that this gets done now, having kind of invested a lot of time in this process over the last few months. Um, there certainly are credible groups lining up, making offers to buy the team. Um, and so I, I, you know, you, I'd like to think that this would get done finally. And you, I think you're right, Ben, once this gets done, the commanders go right back to number one. I mean, I don't think that anybody should be under any illusions while I while I believe that this is much more, there's many more people interested in basketball in DC than there are in football, because there's just so much great basketball from the high school level through college and not so much the pros, but at least you have, you have occasionally interesting wizard seasons. Um, Plus you, you can know, follow the, the seasonal Mally plan and just go watch the visitors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the commanders, you know, there's, there's institutional history with the commanders, right? I mean, there's just, there's people who have loved this team for generations um, and the success is beginning to recede. And, you know, anybody under 40 has never seen this team do anything, right? But but there still are enough people 40 and older that remember what it was like when they were good and how the city reacted. And so I think that they will come back immediately because the expectations will go back to, well, if we just have non-toxic ownership, we could be pretty good. So I think that's where a lot of fans are going to be. By the way, not to go back to the Wizards, we'll get to them later, but like I just had a Passover Seder the other day and yeah. uh, part of the, you know, the, the, the towards the end of the story, it's, you know, the, the Jews got out of Egypt and wandered the desert for 40 years. And while we were discussing some level of this, I was realizing that the Wizards have wandered the NBA desert for over 40 years at this point. Yeah. So it, it it puts in perspective uh, how long that was. Who's Moses? <laughs> Who's our know. Moses? Who's I don't know. They had they, I don't know. They had Moses Malone. Uh, that didn't that did, that didn't help. I don't, I don't know. I think I think uh, yeah. I, th I think we're, we're we're waiting to figure that out uh, at at this point. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm with you on the Snyder thing. I keep saying until the horse is in the barn, I'm not going to assume anything. But yeah. you know, it does feel like we're in a position where. I can't even imagine what would happen in this city if he says, yeah, I've rethought it and I'm going to stay independent of what the NFL owners right. do or don't do. I just can't even, I, I, I'm going to tell my editor I'm out. I'm taking a few days vacation. Like I, I, exactly. I, I, can't. <laughs> I have to reassess my life choice. <laughs> right. I can't even imagine what that would mean uh, for, for the city. Um, but you know, it does feel like it's heading in that way. Um, there, there's been a lot of talk, of course, about, sh you know, should this happen whenever it happens? What 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 should priorities be for a new owner? Things like that. I'm curious, yeah. where, where are you at on the idea of the rebranding? Because they've already gone through, you know, what, three names now? Yeah. In two years. 
right. clearly Commanders has not stuck. Uh, maybe it will over time or if they win, but it hasn't stuck. Uh, then this is now becoming a bigger topic. It feels like at least online. W- where are you at in the idea that if a new guy, a new owner comes in, whether it's the first priority or just somewhere on the list, that they should actually look to rebrand or are you kind of over that whole thing? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm kind of done with that. I mean, you know, I think these things are very... What's I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. I, I just I just don't think it's that big a deal. I can't imagine finding anything approaching consensus on another name change. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think I, I just don't I don't know what the point of that would be because no matter what name you come up with, people are going a, a large segment of your fan base is gonna hate the name. That's just kind of the that's just kind of the, where we are in the world right now. No matter what anybody says, somebody is going to fa- find fault with it. You know, so why even go through that um, rigmarole again? I would just stick with this and ride it out. And This is the name and, you know, get used to it and buy a T-shirt if you want or don't. You know, like, you know, so um, I just don't think it's a... I, I, to me, it's not a hill worth dying on for a franchise that that has so many issues. Um, besides this, I mean, we've kind of all crossed the Rubicon on it. The people that are that wanted to go back to the old name and are going to pout about that for the rest of their lives are going to pout about that for the rest of their lives. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, and I think there's, you know, maybe ten percent of the population likes the name for whatever reason. And then there's probably 60, 70% of the people that they're like, eh, you know, I don't really care. You know, it's, if they win, I'll, I'll support it. If they lose, I'll, I'll complain about it. Right. So I think that's where the vast majority of commanders fans are right now. I don't think that there is, I don't know what the point of it would be, Ben. What would the point of going through this again be, you know, um, it, it's, well, you went through all this trouble trying to sell people on commanders. You know what I mean? Like, went through all the history of this is why we did it, and these are the colors we're using, and you know, um, I don't know. I would just, I think, I think there's the franchise has bigger issues right now. To be honest, right? I, I think the biggest takeaway that I'm seeing from people, I mean, I, like you said, some just can't stand the name for whatever the reason. I think others see it as a reminder of the Snyder era, and I. I get that, but like, I would just say if he's not here anymore, just move on from that. And you know, I agree. It, it, the, the the new owner's got to worry about the stadium. Like, if we're not talking about the football stuff, the stadium has got to be the bigger deal, and, and it will be for an owner. That's how they're going to get their money back uh, quicker by getting a stadium going and then getting all the you know the everything that kind of comes with that. If in five years, whatever it is, yeah, the name still is a disaster for whatever the reason. Okay, well, then then go from there. But I, I would right. say try to win and build a stadium and then see where you're at. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I certainly think going forward, the first order item of business for the new ownership is is finding a, a venue or finding a you know a municipality to do a deal with for for a new stadium. And I I believe rather strongly that once the sale is finalized, then everybody's back in business. You can go to D.C., Maryland, Virginia. 
everybody's going to want the new stadium with the new owner and not Snyder, you know, you know what I mean? So um, everybody will be back in and give you their best offer again. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with, with, with that. Now, obviously whichever owner ultimately gets it, you know, it's hard. People keep wanting to ask questions. Do I think a new owner will want to do a rebrand? Will a new owner want to keep Rivera? Will a new owner want to go get Lamar Jackson? Whatever it may be. Yeah. And of course, the variable is why well, I have no idea. Like, I, th if we're talking about an individual human being, it's hard to know until we, especially for these, th the ones who have never owned a, a franchise like Jeff Bezos. I have no idea. I'm not. I'm not going to look at how he's right. run the Washington Post or Amazon to determine what he, what kind of a coach he wants. Um, that right. said, that said, Josh Harris Group is the leading contender at this point, just based on the fact yeah. that they're at each at each check mark they've been there where others have not josh harris has right. a track record uh he yes right he currently owns the sixers plus the devils you are uh mr nba right. you got any feel for for josh harris as to what he might be he's been pretty bold in philadelphia in a couple ways um, yeah and I, that that to me is pretty exciting well i mean i think josh you know i think josh will be would be a kind of you know 21st century type of owner i mean i think there would be a lot of number crunching a lot of analytics um a lot of leaning in, into that to kind of determine the the type of um players and team he would want to build um that's what he's done in all of his companies you know starting with apollo global which is you know, this huge firm that just sucked up companies and, 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 you know, redistributed, redistributed the, the personnel and sold them for enormous sums of money and um, did it with the 76ers, obviously leaned into the process with Sam Hankey for a while. And then kind of finally was, I, I think it was both, he got tired of, of the, ridicule and i think the the league said hey you gotta do something you know like this can't you can't keep doing this um and you know change that but it, you know the process did produce joel mb right i mean they got joel mb because of they tanked for years and years and years and got a generational player um out of it so um i don't think he will do that in football i just think it's harder to do in football um because one player no matter how great they are unless it's a franchise quarterback um, can't really take, can't lift you, um, up in football. You really do need a whole lot of good players, uh, to win in the NFL. Uh, so I don't think he'll do a process type thing if he gets the team. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think they've checked every box. Um, you, you have a guy that could buy the team by himself basically, but then you added local ownership, another billionaire in Mitch rails, who a lot of people know locally because of his work with, uh, with local media here. And then you add, you know, a, a, a silver plated celebrity and magic Johnson, who also has means um, not the kind of means that the other people have, but magic's not poor by any stretch of the imagination. He's really rich. He's just not billionaire rich, but he's really rich. Um, so you, you, you checked all the boxes um, that I think people would have questions about going forward if you're the nfl certainly um so i i i but having said that you mentioned the guy that can literally blow everybody out of the water anytime he feels like it right like 
Like Jeff Bezos could just say, you know what? I'll give you 10 billion. What the hell? <laughs> you know, I just feel like doing that today. <laughs> and and uh, and they would have to take it, right? Like they'd have to take the 10 billion. So you can never say never, but certainly I think the Harris group is is the leading contender right now. Um and and certainly makes a credible, a very credible ownership group um with with something of a track record. Uh, in terms of spending money uh, in the NBA and 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 also, you know, I don't know hockey as well as I know basketball or football, but I, you know, it certainly looks like the Devils are, you know, emerging as a good young team, even though they're not quite there yet. But you can see that they're getting there, right? And so they've taken that tack with the Devils of uh, building through the draft and build, going young, and um, it's starting to pay off there. So. Um, yeah, I think he would do. He would be a a perfectly good owner. Would he be good to work for? Well, I don't know. I, you know, I don't have to answer that question. Um, but I don't think he would be Snyder. I'll put it that way. Have you ever? I I assume yes, because you talk to everybody. But have you ever interacted with him much? I don't know how. Not, I, not how a whole lot because he, he doesn't do a ton of interviews. I mean, he doesn't right. talk very much. I talked to him very briefly at one. It was probably when they brought jerry colangelo in when they fired hinky and he was he was at one of those uh you know availabilities and spoke very briefly about right. why they made the move and but yeah no he doesn't he's not available to the media very often um certainly not the sports media um he has talked more with some of the business writers you know there's there's stories about him in forbes in which he's quoted about the you know the businesses that he runs or has run in the past but in terms of the sports teams hasn't done a lot and cert i certainly would expect that he would do something um when he comes here um because he's a you know he's a local guy um uh even though he went to you know he went to school up i think he was at was it Princeton or Harvard? One of those. I think it was, items, but, was it Penn. I've lost or I've, Penn. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. I, you're, you're one of those, right? And yeah. Um, but he's a. But I think his family's from the D.C. area, if I'm not mistaken. And um, so you know, he's. I think there's a reason why he bid on the Commanders, uh, not just because they were the next team available, um, but I think there's there's certainly some local ties here that that so uh, would make it compelling for him. Yeah, he went to Penn for undergrad, Harvard for business school. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and the field school in D in the Northwest, and then he he grew up in Chevy Chase. So yeah, yeah, def definitely the local ties. Um, right. Yeah. Well, look again. Anybody coming in is going to be viewed more favorably than the guy who sure. would, be, would be leaving. But at least there is some track record here. And you know, you mentioned the he'd be a new wave owner. I think this is a part that's interesting with regards to what changes could be made eventually on the football side. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just that he's into analytics. Forget whether I even know that he is or not. He's the guy that hired the guy who is the face of all analytics right. in sports, basically, and Daryl Morey as the president or GM or whatever the right. exact title he has. That, that That is a clear indication of what, what kind of a guy he's looking at. And then you come here to Washington you know, Ron Rivera, part of the reason why he was let go by Carolina was because their new owner and David Tepper, also a 21st century type guy who was big yeah. into analytics. Yeah. Rivera has been pretty, even here, has been, been kind of like, yeah, you know, 
<laughs> it's not a topic that comes up a lot. They've got yeah. a pretty small department. I wouldn't think that would bode well for Rivera, but you know that's a for for the future to, to to consider. But I do think that's important when when trying to figure out what Josh Harris might be uh, might bring here. Yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely. I I certainly agree with you that that's it's much it's going to be much more inclined to you know really working the margins and really trying to find you know, the competitive advantages where you can through numbers, through, through process and things like that. <clears throat> um, and, and certainly, you know, the, I think it explains a lot about some of the moves that the commanders have made this off season um, to make it clear that, that they're going to go all in on trying to keep as many of their good players as possible to make one real run at this thing next season and try to put up a number that's just so big that they have to keep them. They have to give them a new contract. You know, like, I don't, I don't know how you could possibly interpret that any other way, you know, like the, the, the pain deal it's alone just kind of screams at, Hey, we're all in all chips to the middle of the table right now. We're not letting anybody go that can play football uh, going forward. So um, we're going to keep as many guys as we can for 2023 and see what we can do. So that that's a good segue to, to my next question about the commanders for you. And that is with regards to their quarterback situation, yeah. it was very early on in this off season when we started to hear that Sam Howell is being positioned as their QB one entering the off season. And I could get it to a degree if they were more of an, a, this is a brand new coach or they're yeah. truly in a re a, a rebuild scenario but it's neither of those things. They're a middle of the pack team with a coach who probably needs to win to keep his job, which is why it is still weird to me on some level. They're going with Sam Howell with considering his experience, even though I like the player um, that they do have Jacoby Brissett as well, but you know, that's maybe that's an upgrade over Heineke and Wentz, but it's not the same as saying yeah. he's the difference maker. So we haven't heard from you about this in, in, in a minute. Where are you at now with, with what Washington's QB situation is knowing, like you said, that this is, it feels like they're in for this season. And yet this is the first time under a pair. They, they didn't really go all in on finding a quarterback. Yeah. I think it's just, a, I think it's more than anything, Bennett. I think it's just a, a product of three years of abject failure, trying it the other way. Right. Like, <laughs> Like they, you know, they, they went in and got, they got Alex Smith. Didn't work at all. You know, they, they, they couldn't get Matthew Stafford. Right. They, so they, they got, you know, they, they went for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick lasted a half, you know, complete disaster. Didn't work. Then they went, then they doubled down on it and went all in on Carson Wentz with everybody in town was like, Whoa, don't do that. No, don't do that. Like, what are you doing? You're giving up draft picks for this guy no what is, what's the matter with you but um so i just think they're like to hell with that we're not doing that anymore like the the notion that we're going to throw more draft picks at baltimore for lamar jackson you know that doesn't make any sense given their their lack of success throwing draft picks at other teams the last few years for veteran quarterbacks that they thought could be difference makers so um i think they have They've talked themselves into Sam Howell. I think that's as as basic as I can make it. They have convinced themselves that Sam Howell has ups enough upside that they're gonna they're gonna roll with him, and and in the process be able to take that money that they otherwise would have had to spend on a quarterback and sprinkle it around on 
keeping Payne when obviously they had drafted Federian Mathis to replace him last year. I mean, clearly that was the move. Right. Um, and, and, you know, possibly, you know, giving Cam Curl an extension before he becomes a free agent and taking him off the table. So I, I just think it's that. I just think they're just tired of swinging and missing on, on big name quarterbacks. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's exactly what it is. And when Rivera said the other day about their roster building for the first time, I mean, basically what he's saying is for the first time, they're not putting their eggs in the we got to get a bigger name quarterback right. basket. They're saying we're going to Sam Howell effectively it, it, it erase the name and just view him as player on rookie contract. Right, right. And right. and then, you know, they added to Brissett. You know, he they, they paid him more than any of those other spot starters backup types um and he's he's you know he's solid he's better than what they had in theory but yeah. that's again different than saying they're going to be all that if somehow works out they are going to be positioned nicely whether it's for Rivera or another coach but you know this is a good segue to the Wizards because part of the reason why they're in this position is especially the last couple of years is being sort of stuck in the middle yeah. of of the draft board right, right. um I give Rivera a total pass for taking Chase Young over Justin Herbert or Tua because you had Dwayne Haskins and you know, like you, you gotta give him you gotta give him a shot, especially with the owner and all right. that stuff. Right. But then they go seven and nine, win that division. If they lose the last game, they're picking like tenth or eleventh and in and in spot to get Justin Fields or Mac Jones. Instead, they go to nineteen, don't get any of those quarterbacks, and they're and they take Jamin Davis. Yeah. Last year, a year where there's not only one quarterback goes in the first two rounds, they had already made the Carson Wentz move and then just didn't take anybody else until Hal in the fifth. And now this year, they're middle of the pack. They're 16th. There's yeah. no, they're, they're likely not going to be in position to get a quarterback. This is where the Wizards have been at forever. They, right. It's great that they finally, at the end of this year, recognize they should stop winning games or trying <laughs> to. Yeah. Focus on odds. But whether it's the quarterback or the, the the difference makers in the NBA, the the cleanest path is having a top one, two, three, four, five pick to get exactly. that guy. And you got to commit to that at some point. And from the Wizards' perspective, it's probably the most frustrating aspect of all of this that they that the owner <laughs> who thrived here, having the number one and number th- and and number three pick in Wall and Beal, doesn't understand that that is the best way for them to go forward. Right. Uh, and and this is why they're stuck. It feels like. Right, and another and another th- top three pick in Otto Porter. I mean, you know, like they went one three three. I mean, that's 
That's the that's the formula, right? Like and, that's and the even Jan Vesely at six. Obviously, it didn't work out with the player, but right, they right. had the opportunity to have another guy there as well. Yeah. So they've had, you know, in the last 15 years, they've had occasionally had high draft picks, but they haven't had one since Beal. That's the problem. They haven't had a top. I mean, I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. The NBA has this thing every every year at All Star. This you know they have their rookie showcase game, which is basically anybody with a pulse that's a rookie in the NBA gets the gets invited to this game just to showcase some of the young players on the in the league. And here's the guys that are going to be stars in the next couple of years, and and keep an eye on these guys. And the Wizards literally haven't. They've had in the last ten years they've had Jan or they've had you know. Uh, Hachimura and Denny Avdia. That's it. <laughs> you know, those are the only two guys that have been that have been in a rookie game, and neither one of those guys is anything approaching a star player. You know what I mean? So that just tells you how how bereft they've been of even just mediocre young talent. You know, like just okay players that could because the league puts everybody in the rookie game you know like and so that's just it just tells you where they've been and 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 this notion of this incrementalism which they continue to to ride on which is if we can just get a little better next year or just a little better and then we'll be in a position to finally you know make a trade for another superstar because they consider Bradley Beal a superstar. And that's what they, that's their rationale. Is if we could just continue to add here and there, and then soon we'll be in position to, to really make the move. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that there's been no progress. I'm not saying that. I mean, Corey Kispert has gotten better. Yes, he's a better. His second year, he was better than he was in his first year. He obviously can shoot it, shoots a high percentage from three. Um, moves very well without the ball, tries to defend. Um, you know, he, he's better. Um, but, and Abdi is better than he was last year. So it's not like they're not putting any work in, but the progress is so slow. That's the, that's the issue I have with it is that at this rate, you know, I'll be long gone, you know, and my kids will, kids maybe will see some, you know, fruition. You can't just keep trying to improve a little bit every year, you know, maybe we can win five more games, you know, like it, I just, I just don't see that. I don't think you can ask this fan base to your, like you said before, it's been waiting more than 40 years since the last really legitimate championship contending team to keep waiting. That's what I keep. That's what bugs me about this, this, this whole notion of not tanking. I get it. It's hard to tank. I get it. It's not fun to lose 60 games in a season. But how else are you going to get a chance at generational talent? How, you know, you just don't get superstars available in free agency all that often. It's very rare now. Teams do not let this happen. They they lock up their, their best young players before they ever become free agents. And so how are the Wizards planning to add difference-making difference, difference players? And that's where I'm like, okay, the only way you can do that is to be high in the first round and the top five picks of the first round. There's no other way to do it um, that I know of. So 
they and and they but they continue to like push back on that and we're not going to do that um and i don't really know what they what their end game is because it's it's always just well we we have bad luck with injuries well we, you know if this hadn't happened we would have been better or we need more time to look at this group together to see how good that they can be you know um and you know it, it, one, taken one on one those could be legitimate reasons and and not excuses but when you put them all together it just sounds like excuses you know so um that's the frustration i have with with how the wizards are are trying to roster build right you know you know like if you look at the nats right now and ignore what happened before this right you can say okay and i'm i'm not going to even try to guess seven names because i'll i'll butcher it but like but cj abrams i know is one yeah. of their prospects and right. uh, a couple other guys and you can say well look they have some interesting prospects the problem for nats fans is it's on the heels of a team that had just won the World Series recently. Right. And to get them, you traded away a 22, 23-year-old superstar right. that everybody who everybody's wearing his jersey and you view him as a linchpin. So the the prospects in that case, maybe they're good eventually, but it doesn't feel good right now. The Wizards are the opposite. The, as good as Bradley Beal is, he's not viewed as one of the generational players no. in the league, and they don't yeah. have... Uh, other like you know Kuzma's good, Porzingis is good. They're all All Star level ish, but like they're not going to take you to another uh, uh, the next tier of of contenders. And then none of their young guys have looked that dynamic. That's yeah. why trading Beal and and doing that rebuild would make everybody feel so much better. And that's what I never understand with what I assume is the owner's thinking. Why does he feel he needs to be like the eight seed to get people to care? They will care more. If you said, hey, all of a sudden we got a shiny new object over here because this guy was the third pick in the draft, plus right. we got these players in the trade or whatever, that team is going to be way more interesting to fans than the middle of the pack one who with no upside. Well, I, I, I would, you know, like you said with the Nats, like, yeah, it's it's hard right now, but at least the Nats gave you a run. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least they yeah. won four division titles. And, you know, and we're in the playoffs, you know, multiple years and they got to a World Series and they won the World Series. You know, like at least there's something they can go, hey, we did this before. We can do it again. And you may not believe them, but at least they have something approaching credibility in terms of we built a championship roster. If you just stick with us, we've shown you we can do it. And but the Wizards don't even have that. And, and that's why I didn't understand two years ago. When they when when they had clearly given up on John Wall and said he's just not worth it, we're not going to invest any more time in him. That was the optimal time to trade Beal too, <laughs> you know, and just put just completely rebuild and and because I can at least explain that to fans. That's the that's the frustrating part is that people may agree or disagree with the notion of of total rebuild. Like some people hate it because you have to lose a lot and some people love it because it's young players and it's new and all that, but at least I can explain it, you know, like, and then you can decide whether you agree with it or not, but at least that's a, it's a clear path. Like, you know, okay, they're going to do that now. That's how they're going to try to build this thing, you know, but this is just kind of like, you're saying, you're saying you can't explain a middle build or whatever the heck that is. It's just, this this notion that you know and it's always just kind of you know rearranging the deck chairs like 
okay, we don't have Wall anymore. All right, we got we got Russell Westbrook. That's cool, great. You little you put a little run and he got into the got sort of into the playoffs, and then he doesn't want to be here anymore. All right, well we got Dinwiddie now. All right, now that's gonna work. Well, that uh, that lasted half a season. All right, well we're gonna get Monty Morris and, and Will Barton. Well, we just uh, we we let Will Barton go because he's not really that good, you know. And so it just kind of you know continues to spin its wheels without gaining any real traction because the team never gains any traction. You never get the sense that they're building. You never get the sense that, oh man, they are so much better than they were four years ago. Like, yeah, they're more talented, but are they a better team? Marge, somewhat. Yeah, I guess a little. Yeah. <laughs> but not in any way that, that is, makes them any type of a threat in, in terms of, making a playoff run like you just like you can't say here's where they're going to be three years from now they're going to have this guy this guy and this guy are going to be their their primary guys leading them to a 55 win season and a two seed in the east who believes that <laughs> you know like your your best three players went 16 and 19 together this year when they played together you know so where what's the what's the rationale for just making yourself more expensive i don't i don't know yeah no i mean i i i'm just sitting here nodding along <laughs> the whole time because it, it's just really hard to fathom and you, to your point of the constant changes i don't want to hear them use lack of continuity as an excuse you're the ones making the lack of continuity because every, if every year you're like well like you said we'll, we'll we'll go to this plan we'll go to that plan we'll go to this plan well nothing's ever going to change and right. even if you say, well, if we keep Kuzma and we keep Porzingis with Beal, then we have some continuity. Well, okay. Again, you only played 35 games together this year. Wasn't exactly ideal record-wise. But then the issue is you still can't build upon that. Like, like unless they get really lucky in the lottery, yeah. they won't have any other assets to really improve. So if if the Denny's of the world don't take a leap, then, you know, they're, uh, they're kind of screwed on that front. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there, you know, we have to see what happens in the lottery, right? I mean, they are, you know, they could be se seven or eight, depending on the tiebreaker with Indy. But, right. you know, if if they were to somehow get a top three pick or a top four pick, I mean, you could potentially, you could see uh, at least a, a scenario, right, where you could take maybe the fifth pick and Denny Avdia and uh Corey Kispert and you know Monte Morris and try to move up to maybe two. Nobody's trading you one this year. We know that. That's not happening, right? Like just you're gonna take Wembenyama, whoever you are. We all understand that. Um, but could they get to two or three, maybe? You know, maybe. You know, I mean, there's if they had a top five pick, eight or lower is gonna be very difficult. But if they could get into the top five, then maybe they could potentially take you know make a move for that that kind of player move up to two to get a scoot Henderson or somebody like that I just think they need Ben as much as they need more talent they just need some excitement they need a young player that people can get excited about I think that's the the other issue is that as talented and I think all three of those guys are talented right Beal's talented and Kuzma's talented and Porzingis is talented and when they play together, they score a lot of points. That's not the issue. They score a lot of points, but nobody, 
I don't think anybody's excited to see any of those three guys play. You know, like who's like, wow, I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to move stuff around today so I can watch the wizards play tonight. I just, I just don't know who's, who does that, you know, like, so I think they desperately need an injection of energy and excitement and youthful kind of irrationality, right? Like somebody that literally thinks they're the best player in the world and they're 19 years old and you know, they're nuts, but they're, they're really talented. And so you want to see how this goes and how far they can go. And I just think they need that somebody to kind of shake the torpor. I mean, they just all seem kind of anesthetized to, yeah, we're just kind of 35 and 47 again. You know, there's nobody. And I, I don't want people pounding the tables and fake anger and all that sort of thing. But there's got to be some urgency to fixing this thing. You know, after all this time, there has you can't just operate. It can't just be business as usual. It can't just be, well, we'll see what happens in, in, in the lottery, you know, or we'll we'll try to add somebody with the mid-level exception. You know, that's just not. It's not good enough anymore, I don't think, for this fan base. Right. In the last 13 years, the only player they've gotten to come here who was a stunner was Paul Pierce in his last year, basically. And he was amazing here, but that's, that's been it. Everybody else, right. nobody else is coming here uh, of, of who's like, oh, wow, I can't believe they got that guy. Um, and that's been an issue. All right. right. There, there's, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and think about that. Paul Pierce was at the end of his career. And even Paul Pierce at the end of his career had an enormous impact on this franchise the one year he was here. And that just tells you, if you just get anybody of that caliber, this thing, you can change it immediately, you know? So why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you, you know, give yourself the best chance to get somebody like that and maybe get them when they're young, you know, and can and have some upside. So that's what that's where I just go. Wow, I just don't get it. Um, yeah, to totally. All right. In the last couple of seconds I have with you here before I let you go, yeah. uh, I gotta ask you a couple NBA playoff questions. It's it's uh, playing games start, I guess, tomorrow, Tuesday. Tomorrow. Yep, Tuesday. All right, so we'll go through this. You can speed round however you want to do this. Sure. So many interesting storylines, particularly at West. But for you, from a strategic standpoint, what do you think mm -hmm. is like the biggest strategic variable to keep an eye on wherever, east, west, whatever, uh, for these playoffs? Well, I mean, you know, you always, I mean, you usually start with the closest series or the four or fives. And so, you know, I look at, you know, the Clippers and, and, and Phoenix. And if Paul George really is going to be limited, I think that really makes it hard for the Clippers to win, except, you know, I can't tell you with any certainty that Chris Paul or Katie's not going to get hurt again because they've that's been a problem for them the last couple of years. So those series are going to be interesting to me. I, I would I'm fascinated by Cleveland and, and New York um, because I think it's, you know, Cleveland was one of the best defensive teams in the league this year with. Allen, again, a team that went out and got a young center, you know, and, and then drafted Evan Mobley and then traded for Donovan Mitchell, you know, like, wow, how did they do that? They must be the smartest guys in the world, you know, like, so it's just, and they won 50 games this year, you know, yeah. so um, uh, that's going to be a great series, I think. Um, the other ones, I mean, you know, I kind of, I don't see a lot of, I think Sacramento Golden State's going to be fun, right? You know, it's going to be a fun series up and down and a lot of scoring, a lot of offense. And Sac might get a game. Maybe they'll get two games. I don't know. 
But other than that, I'm not sure I see anything other than chalk, really. I mean, I, I guess I would say Miami always, assuming they beat Atlanta and, and get to uh, the seventh seat. I mean, Miami-Boston would be a fun series just because I think they they know, you know, Miami knows how to win playoff games and Jimmy Butler is the kind of guy that can go nuts in a seven-game series. So that would be a fun series. But other than the ones that I've mentioned, I think it's pretty much chalk, I think, in the first round. So it, the Lakers are in the playoff scenario, so they could be the seven or the eight seed if they right. advance. Obviously, because of LeBron and Anthony Davis, and, yeah. and th- they're going to be viewed as a as a threat by somebody. Are you buying their recent resurgence, uh, whether they play Memphis or Denver? I think AD AD's been really good toward the end of the season. Look, you know, he looks like he's he's healthier, right, and he's playing at a higher level. Um, and I do think that the moves that they made at the deadline, they certainly are more equipped to be in a in a a factor in a series. And I can't. You can't discount LeBron for that reason. Um, I don't know. I think my I my guess is they would rather play. Well, I'm sure they'd rather play Memphis than Denver, right? I mean, you just you know, Memphis is just kind of the season ended weird for them, and you know they they're losing one of their key players to injury going into the playoffs, and um, you know Jaws John is really talented, but clearly maybe more important things on his mind right now. So I'm sure that the Lakers, you know, are looking to beat Minnesota who's not going to have Rudy Gobert for that game tomorrow night. Who's being suspended, you know, an imploding Minnesota team, you know, just just looks like they're completely, you know, I don't, it's unbelievable watching them the last game of the year, two teammates get in a fight. One of them gets suspended and another teammate breaks his hand um, going to the locker room after getting ejected from the game and is now going to be out for the playoffs. I mean, if you look up the word implosion in the dictionary, that's a team. You see the team picture of the Timberwolves. I mean, it's just so. Yeah, I think that that the road for the Lakers is beat Minnesota and get Memphis in the first round and maybe use Memphis's youthful exuberance against them in a seven game series. Uh, NBA is so much about individual players and the storylines that that attach to them. So many to choose from here. Who for you is like the one player storyline that you think is the most interesting for the playoffs? I mean, I I think to me, it's like if you look at that second round in the East, assuming Philly beats Brooklyn and Boston beats Miami, a Philly-Boston second round series, I think would be epic. Um, I would... I would love to cover that series, even though we got 75 people in Philly and Boston at the athletic, <laughs> yeah. um, but I would still love to cover that series just for the the drama and the storylines, two really good teams slugging it out. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. And again, this, the SAC golden state is just going to be ridiculously fun. I think um, no expectations that SAC, you know, is going to win other than the people at Sacramento who who think that they, you know, are a pretty good team and they've got a good coach who knows Golden State very well, obviously, and Mike Brown. So I'm sure they feel like, hey, we can win this series, um, especially since Golden State's been so awful on the road this year. Um, but the thing that's, to me, intriguing about it is Golden State being an older team. This is the one series they don't have to ever leave the ground. In fact, they won't leave the ground, you know, like they'll be, it's a, you know, it's a 70, 70 mile, 70 minute drive from from San Francisco to Sacramento. 
So they, they'll bust it up. They'll bust back after every game and, and sleep in their own beds every night. Um, so I think that they have a great chance in this series because it's, yeah, it's going to be on the road technically, but I guarantee you there's going to be a ton of Warriors fans in, in you know, Golden One Center in Sacramento. Um, so they, I think, have a great opportunity to pull the upset there in the first round. And this lastly, what's your NBA? Uh, everybody loves making finals predictions, especially when yeah. we don't even know exactly how all the first round matchups. But that said, this is why you're in the Hall of Fame. Who? What, what's your finals matchup and who's going to win? Um, look, I think Milwaukee's the best team in the league right now. I think they're, they're you know, they're getting healthy at the right time. And Middleton's still not quite, you know, anywhere near 100%. But, um, you know, they just have multiple guys, multiple ways to defend you you know, with holiday on the, on the ball and then Giannis kind of on the wings closing out and, and chasing people down. And then Brooke Lopez in the middle is just a phenomenal defensive player. Like they really can lock you up defensively and they've got more than enough offense to score games, to score in games and playoff games, to win games. And Giannis can detonate for 50 anytime. So I think they're the best team in the league. I think they're going to, uh, you know, I, I, I suspect they get out of the East, um, you know, whether it's Philly or Boston in the conference final, I just, I just feel like Milwaukee's built for this, you know, and, and uh, having won a championship, I think they have a lot of, um, a lot of mental fortitude. Right. Um, and in the West, again, I think if, if Phoenix stays healthy and Katie's healthy for the playoffs and Booker's healthy and, and you can get, enough out of Chris Paul. He doesn't have to carry it anymore. Um, I think Phoenix to me is a team that could really get on a run and, and, and run the table just because they can be so dynamic offensively. I just don't know how you, how, how do you guard them? You know, how do you guard those three and then try to guard Aiton just running, you know, foul line to foul line and getting lobs and dunks and shooting in the paint. I just think that they're, I know they gave up a lot for KD, but the, the four that they have, four pretty good <laughs> those four pretty good and and they were you know they were beating people by a lot before you know in the games that that durant was able to play so um i i think we may have a rerun of the finals from a couple of years ago yeah i think it's a good a good call all right uh at david aldridge dc on twitter he is a part of the hoops adjacent podcast which is a great listen with him and marcus thompson and all kinds of uh, great guests, and of course, he's a pr prolific writer on the NBA, and no doubt when we get some news here about the sale and what the draft or things like that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get DA to dip back into some commander's writing, I'm sure, as well. Uh, I, I, I appreciate the time. Good luck out there with uh, all your NBA uh, mm -hmm. travels and focus, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right, sir. Thank you for having me, Ben. Always like talking to you. Thanks, DA. All right. Um, always a fun time talking to DA. Uh, as I said, I've got some mailbag questions here. I'll probably try to answer at least a couple each episode this week and maybe beyond, but uh, I had some good ones here. Um, let, let me look through here really quick here. Which What are the ones that we have here that I think I want to discuss here? All right, here's a question uh, from on Twitter at Spider Strick. What percentage of all the people you've discussed with outside the building think Sam Howe is truly capable of being the guy? 
How many think Ron and company are not serious about going with him? How many think they are nuts? Uh, good question. And look, I'm not going to lie. Like when I first heard about this, you know, I, I definitely got sort of a puzzled look on my face. I'm sure I explained to you all very early on in this process, what I thought was happening here. And I, I believe I've been, I, you know, I believe I'm accurate on this uh, view. And that is the, the early mention of Sam Howe way back in January as the, the, the starter going into the offseason program was as much about moving on from a, lousy finish of the season and the Carson Wentz era as it was stating anything else. And they did a good job with that. We've, you know, we quickly moved on to the possibility of what Sam Howell could mean. They obviously subsequently added Jacoby Brissett, but the, but the question is forget why Washington did this. What does the rest of the league think about this? Well, I'll say this in terms of Sam Howell. I, I I've had several, front office people, and I say several, I mean more than one, less than ten, I don't know, somewhere probably in the three to six range, uh, say that they thought Sam Howell slipped more than he should have in the draft. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done. Also, or I should say it's easier to say that after the fact, and, you know, the entire draft class fell uh in part because Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback picked in the first round that year, and then everybody else got pushed back a bit further. But generally speaking, I I think people have been fairly optimistic about how, which is different than saying he's going to come in and, 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 you know, lead Washington to the playoffs, or he's going to be a dynamic starter. It's to say more that they think it's a worthy opportunity to take a flyer on this guy, uh, you know, especially based on what Hal did, his second year at Carolina when he had a lot of weapons around him. So I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not really getting a lot of people who think, wow, what is, this is no shot that Sam Howell is a lousy prospect. He was picked in the fifth round for a reason that there's no chance. I, I, I don't, I'm not getting that vibe at all. Is that the, but again, in terms of like, is Washington sort of nuts for doing what they're doing? Yeah. You know, again, I, I, uh, I think for the majority of the people understand the position that they are in. That's a combination of the, 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 the uncertainty with the ownership sale. That's a combination of being in the middle of the first round. That's uh, a combination of, look, if they wanted to pay Deron Payne, and you know, even though Deron Payne doesn't cost that much on the cap this year, you can still only kind of do some of these things when you're paying a quarterback, a potential starter, or less than a million dollars even with Jacoby Brissett you're talking about nine million or so give or take and that's very cheap for a quarterback last year Carson Wentz counted 28.3 million towards the cap Uh, this this combination uh is barely is not even a third of that just under a third of of that so um I I don't want to be like overly optimistic here I'm not trying to tell you that people think wow what a great job by washington like i said it's more just about an understanding of where they're at some recognition that how has some potential but i don't also don't think people are going wow here watch out for the commanders next year in the nfc 
we'll see what the draft unfolds. That could change things for everybody, but that's how I would view that notion of how do you, uh, you know, how do how, how, how the other, how do the other teams or other sources viewing Washington? I guess I didn't give a percentage, but I would just say, I'll say like 75% seem to be relatively optimistic that Sam Howell is worthy of getting a shot, even if I have not had anybody say, look out, Sam Howell is going to be a long-term starter in this league. Hopefully that makes some sense uh, on that front. Um, Let me see here. What other questions do we have? We got some good ones here that I want to get into a little bit more. Maybe when I don't have a 50 minute conversation with somebody, Um, let's just get into this one here at RJSGO60 on Twitter. Uh, This is regarding the Chase Young fifth year option deal. Why would anyone not responsible for drafting Chase Young possibly advocate for giving him $17.5 million in 2024, given he has one and a half sacks in his last 12 games? Well, I mean, look, I think it's a, it, it's a, it's a fair question. And we've talked about this a lot already in the context of the overall defensive line and the roster and things like that. Because paying, as you know, we don't have to go through this again, but paying, extending all four of these defensive linemen is a tough ask from a roster building perspective. I think the thing with Chase Young is as to why you would pay him. If you eliminate the other three defensive linemen, forget that you've paid them, that they exist, that those other investments were made. You know, from a potential standpoint, Chase Young remains one of the shining lights for this group. It doesn't, you know, you're right. If we just look at what's happened, particularly the last two years between the injury and the lack of production, I mean, there's really not a lot to get excited about. The hope is that people do improve, that people do mature, that people, you know, figure things out in life in their own time and their own way, and that Chase Young will develop some better habits that he will, you know, we won't hear about maturity and discipline issues that this offseason, when he's now had when he's not focusing solely on rehabbing his knee, that he's had more time to get out there with uh with, with, with trainers, with position experts, with whomever it may be that helps him learn some of these, you know, finishing moves, counter moves, uh, you know, not just sort of ath- rushing in athletically to try to get a quarterback, but doing so with a purpose. Hopefully that can happen this year. And Washington will be hosting uh, OTA starting next week. The The full-blown version won't be till you know, a few weeks after the draft, but people start getting into the building next week. Coaches will be there. So that's going to be an interesting test. And I think, you know, for Ron Rivera, he wants to see Chase Young there to, 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 to get a gauge of his commitment. The, the only reason I'm like, as I said before, uh, where I think that not picking up the option is arguably the better move is because you also have Montez Sweat, you also have Jonathan Allen, and you also have Deron Payne. So while the $17.5 million is a pretty big number, it's not necessarily a huge deal if you think Chase Young is going to progress. It's just that, as I've laid out before, you, you pick up that option and give him that number, it feels to me like it makes it more complicated 
to then give uh, Montez Sweat a deal. Even if you use the franchise tag, that could be over $20 million based on projections. So it, it gets very expensive very quickly, and I think they have more options if they don't pick up Chase Young's option. Um, but we'll see what they do. They have until May 2nd to make that call. We'll talk more about some th- this defensive line thing led to some really interesting questions um, about the salary cap, the usage, about keeping good players, when you have the opportunity, things like that. So we'll get to more of that in a a bit. Uh, let me go to one more question here. Uh, let's see here. Um, bah, 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 this is great podcasting, without a doubt. Uh, okay, a question. I didn't have a name for this one. What does the defense need to become elite? during this coming season it's a great question obviously they were you know effectively top 10 in a lot of different categories this year this is despite really slow start uh this is despite moving on from william jackson their highest in their highest paid cornerback this is despite chase young missing most of the year Um, and the obviously we'll see if everybody can come back perform at a comparable level, giving them an opportunity to be top 10 again. But to go to the, to the question, what it would it take to be dominant? I would say probably uh, three things, I guess. One, that Chase Young does, whether he gets two sacks or 12 sacks, that Chase Young is a presence out there as the primary starter with those other three guys. Because James Smith-Williams and F.A. Abada and Casey Tuhill all did a pretty credible job last year as backups, but none of them have Chase Young's potential. That that goes without saying. So if you can add that presence, and Chase Young would be getting nothing but one-on-ones when you have uh, Payne and Allen inside and sweat, he'll be getting so many one-on-ones that if he can take advantage of that, I mean, that would be an off-the-chart scenario. The other two situations I would say are, one, Jamin Davis continues to improve off of what he did last year, I think he still has a ways to go before we think, wow, this guy is a true difference maker. But we know about the athleticism. We saw the growth last year. If that continues, that would be huge for the middle of the field. Lastly, who is the fifth defensive back? This has been an ongoing topic here. The draft, if Washington drafts a cornerback in the first or second round, then the answer is likely that person. But particularly if they draft a corner in the first, is that person someone that could be, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say use the term shutdown corner, but somebody who can be sort of the a number one corner for a team, not dismissing Kendall Fuller, who effectively is that guy right now for Washington, just saying, uh, is there somebody who can potentially be a little more um, dynamic, even if that's not in play? Having a third corner who's consistent, can handle slot duties if that's what they choose, um, can play zone, right? That could be a big difference because you already have Fuller and Benjamin St. Juice at corner. Derek Forrest came curl at safety. That fifth spot to go from a Bobby McCain to a first or second round pick, I think would be a really impressive way to to take this thing up a notch overall. So. 
those would be the three things I would say defensively what it would take to have a really stupendous unit, assuming, of course, again, that all the players who, who shined last year perform at a reasonably comparable level this season as well. All right, uh, let's end it there. Big thanks again to David Aldridge for his time. And most of all, thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast, checking out my work, checking me out on Twitter at Ben Standick, all that good stuff. I greatly appreciate it for sure. We'll have more to discuss here uh, this week. Uh, we'll get into some NFL draft talk next episode for sure. But for now, Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. Yeah.